0: Hi, my name's Brad. Nice to meet you. If you're new or visiting, special welcome to you. Uh, we are, we've just kind of started a, a bit of a series. Last week was looking back on our history as a church community and now we're looking forward as to where we feel like God is leading us and uh, put some particular kind of focus areas that God is, uh, is wanting to kind of help us to tune in on and focus in on as part of his big global plan of transforming the world yeah that's a big vision would you agree awesome guess what you have a part to play in it amen is that daunting or exciting yeah a little bit of column a a little bit of column b it's all good it was It was fun just kind of sharing some of our journey uh, i did I did pull out most of the good bits uh, there's been plenty of, of hard bits along the way uh, that's for sure but that is that is part of it I think when when the leader that you are following in Jesus uh, kind of ends up Uh, as you know halfway through the story uh, crucified hanging on a cross Uh, you kind of recognize cool that's who we're following Uh, there's a chance that it might be difficult for us uh, but that's okay because he did uh, rise from the dead and he is gloriously seated uh, at the right hand of the father and he will be returning again in glory but uh, but in that time there is a reality that. uh, there's a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost to being his people on the earth, uh, but it's a glorious, wonderful cost. Uh, there's, a, there's a beautiful uh, blessing that comes from carrying the weight of what Jesus has called us to carry. So there's four main focus areas that we feel like God is has highlighted for us and is wanting us to, to focus in on. You might say four mandates. Uh, so we were even we were Googling this week. What's this between a mission and a mandate and a, and a vision and a pillar and a this, that, and whatever? And uh, essentially a mandate is, is a directive from an authority. And so we feel like we've, we've had a directive from an authority. His name's Jesus, uh, and, uh, and he is he's speaking to us. And, and these things that I'm going to focus on, they're not mind-blowing. They're not radical. Uh, we, are, we are not uh, a progressive church. Sorry, We are a regressive church. Uh, we just keep going back to the original, uh, back to the original text of the Bible, back to the original mandate of what God has given to us. Um, and I think sometimes, you know what, people can get a bit bored and so then they start looking for new things. I'm like, there's enough in the old of what God's already said that if we just go and do that, uh, then we'll, we'll have our work cut out for us uh, for all of eternity. So, uh, so it's good. I want to highlight these are, this is not our mission, this is God's mission. It's not our vision, it's God's vision, it's not our culture, it's kingdom culture. So this this big picture, we're saying, what has the Lord said in scripture? What is he speaking about today? Where are the needs and the lack and where can we invest what God has given to us into these places? You know, we might do different things differently here than other places. We're not trying to be trendy or cool or different. It's just, we're just who we are of being our most authentic selves yielded to God, yeah. we just want to follow Jesus. We just want to go in the direction that he's going. And we want our focus to be on what he's leading us into. And sometimes that means doing things that we don't actually like. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever not agreed with God. Anyone had that, yeah. that time? Yeah, it's okay as long as you yield, even though you don't agree. Um, but that's part of it. Sometimes, like, the Lord, that's, that's, a, that's a big word. Even Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane got to a point where he's like, all right, I hear what you're saying, Lord. Just running, like, oh, there's a plan A you've got, which is me crucified, all that, you know, taking the wrath and you know, salvation of the world. If there happened to be a plan B, would love to hear that. Uh, but not my will be done only yours so that's where we're at I'm doing my best I've ordered a new lid it's okay people you care so much about those things so the first area of focus is, is kind of titled disciple the second is family the third is city and the fourth is the region So these are the four main focus areas that that we feel like God is calling us to kind of prioritize in this next season. That is making and maturing disciples of Jesus. It's building a healthy church family. It's transforming the city of Rockingham. And it's covering the region through prayer. Those four main kind of focus areas. And there is a lot within each one of those. As we share things over the next four uh, or more weeks, we're going to be looking at each individual one. There's some strategies that we have in that. There's a whole lot more strategies that exist in you as well, but, but it can seem overwhelming. We just want you to know it's not like, oh, next week we're going to do all of these things. It's just, hey, we're just going to set this as, as our trajectory moving forward. And I think it's really important that we define what does it look like to actually follow Jesus? we can use that language yes I'm a follower of Jesus or I'm the disciple of Jesus but that looks like something it's not just a positional statement that says oh yes I'm I'm a follower of Jesus what does it mean to follow It means I go after him I'm I go where he's going where he is leading me in the same way that Jesus did with the father we do with Jesus and where he's leading it has to look like something Worship looks like something and it's a whole lot more than us spending half an hour, 45 minutes singing songs to him. That's an overflow of our worship. When our hearts are postured in worship towards God, we want to declare with our voices, with our body, with our energy all together that he is good and he is glorious and he's worth. That's just an expression. You sing when you're in love. You sing when you're in love. You can't help but sing when you're in love. Amen. So that's what we do. But that comes out of a posture that's fully yielded to God, in love with Him, every moment of every day. So worship looks like obedience. It looks like following. Love looks like obedience. The Bible says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. So love is the priority. Love is the greatest commandment that we love God with every part of who we are. But it's less lip service. It's heart posture. And it flows out of our being into our everyday life. So it's going to look like something. If we're a church that says, yeah, we love Jesus, it's going to look like something more than us just saying it with our mouths. It's actually all of our lives invested into that. We are a church that loves Jesus. Amen? Maybe you've come for the first time today. Maybe you're not even a Christian. I I trust and believe that as you stick around and get to know some people, they're going to introduce you to this Jesus who is wonderful and glorious. He is the desire of the nations. You're here because your heart's longing for that. This city is longing for Jesus. They just don't know it yet. And maybe the Jesus that's being presented to them hasn't been the greatest expression of who he actually is, which is why we need to disciple people and bring them into a place of increasing maturity so they actually reflect the nature of God to the world rather than people having a bad taste when they encounter. If someone meets Jesus, they they always love Jesus. People in the Bible, they just loved Jesus. The religious people didn't. But everyone else just loved Jesus. He was the life of the party. They loved to be around him. They desired him. So if the world is looking at the church and saying, we don't want anything to do with those people, those representatives of Jesus, those ambassadors of God's kingdom, then we've got to go, okay, there's something wrong here. There's something that's out of order, that the church isn't reflecting the nature of God to the world. So point one is, well, then we need to really focus. And we want to fix that. Amen? All right. is, that, is that bad? All right. So this is God's vision for his church. I believe there's two major shifts that need to take place in the church's theology or, or a paradigm. A paradigm is a, is, a, is a way of thinking. It's a framework for thinking that you don't necessarily think about. So it's like a structure. This is just how the the church thinks about things or how people think about things, but they're not necessarily aware of it. That's what repentance is. The word metanoia in the scriptures means a changing of the mind. It's it's literally a a shifting of your perspective, an altering of those paradigms, because people understood God in a particular way. Jesus comes in, breaks through and says, you need to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This whole new way of living, this whole new way of interacting, this whole new way of knowing me has just broken forth in the earth. So it's not you need to grovel and snivel on the ground like a worthless piece of junk, sinner, disgusting, dirty thing, or I'm going to smash you with my wrath. No. Oh, I love you, Jesus. That's, uh... Now listen, are we deserving of, of eternal torment? Absolutely. Are we sinners? that require a saviour, absolutely. But the message that Jesus brought wasn't one of, i am come here to destroy you. He's like, I've come here because I love you and I desire to save you, but I'm inviting you into this whole new experience of reality, yeah. which is life in my kingdom with me, yeah. transformed into the likeness of the son Jesus, experiencing the same oneness and fellowship that Jesus had with the father. That's what we get to experience when we come into the kingdom. One of the issues is the message that the church has primarily proclaimed in evangelism is God wants to kill, destroy you. If you pray this prayer, God won't destroy you and you'll go to heaven one day. That's the summation. Uh, maybe that was just what was preached to me. Anyone else kind of had that kind of vibe of what, of what happened? Okay, that's a, that's a more modern expression of what the gospel is, but it's certainly not the gospel that Jesus preached, in my opinion, when I read the Bible. And I don't think it's the biggest picture. Jesus came not proclaiming just salvation for the individual. He came proclaiming the kingdom. It was the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of his kingdom, which is the rule and reign of Christ coming to the earth. Wherever Jesus is king, everyone is blessed. Wherever Jesus is king, everyone that's under his lordship gets to live in the favour and the blessing of a good, benevolent king like Jesus. That's what God came with the message. That's the message that Jesus brought to the earth. But we've kind of, it's become this individualistic. Oh yes, I just got to pray a prayer, then try and be good and not mess up too bad. And then hopefully one day I'll go to heaven to be with him. But Jesus says, no, my kingdom is here and now. Not in its fullness, certainly. It's coming in a greater measure and will finally come when Jesus returns in its fullness. But you get to participate in that reality today. So I think we need to shift our, our language, our perspective around what is, the, what is God's mission on the earth. It's to, that his kingdom would come and his will would be done. Amen. It's very simple. The second one is what I like to call the oikos to the ecclesia. So it's a shifting from just the church of God as a family unit into the church of God as, uh, as, a, as a governmental authority in the earth. I'm not, I, I don't have time this morning to go into it. If you go onto our YouTube channel, there is a session I did in our Kingdom Life uh, training stuff we had last year on the gospel of the kingdom. Okay? Go look it up there. It's brilliant. It's amazing. It's awesome. Well worth a listen or a watch. Uh, but the word oikos means family or household. The word ecclesia in the Greek means church. Okay. We need a paradigm shift of what the church is. This ain't church. This is a gathering of the church. But in our language, we say, oh, yeah, I am going to church on Sunday. And I'm like... Oh, You can use that language, it just doesn't fully represent and it trains you to think of church as an event at a particular time, on a particular day where we kind of do Christian-y things that maybe we don't do anywhere else. But the church that God has established, it was rooted in governmental language. So the people understood when Jesus said, my church, they understood, oh, you're talking about the, the Roman governmental authority that governed the different kind of spheres of influence in society, that governed the people. Okay. We've made it an event on a Sunday. I just think Jesus had a very, very different perspective of that. But if our focus and our attention is all around just us getting along together and us having a good time and us you know, once or twice or even three times a week, if you're really serious, getting together and doing Christian-y things and then going about our everyday lives just trying to be good people, that's not the kingdom coming. That's not the church being the church. That's us as the household of God enjoying the blessing of being the household of God. But there's a significantly greater measure. So again, there's this paradigm shift where we need to go, I guess it's it's more than about just coming on a Sunday. It's more than even just inviting my friends along to to meet Jesus, actually getting on board with the mission that God has to transform the nations, to see the world look more like heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in the way that God rules heaven, he wants to rule earth. But he didn't, Keep that mandate for himself. He gave it to us in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen to twenty. He said, "Here, you go." When the disciples asked, "Teach us to pray," he taught them a prayer. Pray like this. It's clearly, it's on his heart. It's the mission that he's given to us as his people. I get excited about this. So if you go back to that diagram with the, with the circles, <clears throat> we've got the looking essentially at the individual, and then the family, then the city and the region, this kind of expanding uh, kind of impact that we need to see, that we desire to see. So it's important that we don't just focus on on the oikos or the church family, but we're recognising that as we move outwards, we go from just being the oikos or the household of God to being the church of God. As every sphere of a city, of a region is impacted by the kingdom of God, that's when the church is being the church. That's when, as Jesus said to Peter, where the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. So the gates of hell will not be able to prevent the influx of the kingdom of God. But I want to tell you right now, in this city and in this nation, the gates of hell are prevailing. The church is shrinking. There are less Christians today than there were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago. To me, if I look at it, I'm thinking we're losing the battle, but I think that's because we're not in the battle because we've retreated. And we can have glorious moments of encounter on a Sunday, but are people having glorious encounters with the living God on a Monday and a Tuesday? Not just Christians experiencing God, but non-Christians, people who have no concept of God, radically encountering the reality of God through the lives of his people that are embodying him going out into every sphere that's the only way that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church is when we actually become the church and we stop calling this church and we start recognising this has a place to equip the saints for works of ministry but it's as we go that we be the church. This wasn't in my notes but I can't not say these things. This is where we move from being blessed into being a blessing. But we have to carry that mandate of God to go out into the world to be ambassadors for his kingdom. All right, so we'll go back to the first of making and maturing disciples of Jesus. So we've already read that scripture, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen to 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. You're not alone in the mission. We're not alone in the mission. God is with us. Jesus is present by the, by the Holy Spirit in each believer. And He and God has an army of angels that are, that are working with you. If you're like angels, like should we talk about angels? There are so many references. I think there's 168 references to angels just in the New Testament alone. Angels are God's ministers. They're the ones that God uses to accomplish his plans. We don't command angels. We are under the command of God, but God commands angels on our behalf to protect us. As they minister to Jesus in the wilderness, they are there as God's ministers on the earth. I'm not talking about angels this morning, but freebie for you. So the goal of discipleship is to be Conform to the likeness of Jesus. It's people becoming like Jesus. And it's this wonderful, beautiful thing that is actually a supernatural transformative work. You can stay on that on the, uh, on the other red one. It's a, it's a radical transformative work that God does in us. It's not just us about, oh, I'll try and think differently about things or I'll, I'll try and do things differently. No, no, we're becoming like Jesus. We are being conformed to the image of Jesus, yeah. to the likeness of the sun. Yeah. It's a supernatural transformative work, but it takes effort, it takes work, it takes teaching, it takes understanding, it takes practising, it takes radical encounters, yeah. but it's a work that God is doing in us. So different even to the di- like disciples that existed in the time of Jesus. There were rabbis and they had disciples. They would try their best to emulate the life of the rabbi, but ours is different. Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit that actually transforms us and conforms us to the likeness of God. It's people becoming like Jesus. It's people thinking like Jesus would think. It's us acting like Jesus would act, loving like Jesus would love, being one with the Father like Jesus was one with the Father. And it's not about becoming mature. It's not about this final destination. It's actually about the journey towards maturity. And it's a lifelong journey. Yeah. then you may ask, well, if, if we're not going to achieve the end goal, then what's the point? Well, the point is this: because he's told you to do it. That's all that I need. We'll never be perfect this side of heaven until Jesus returns. It's like, he's, clearly Jesus doesn't mind. Matthew 6.33, seek first. My kingdom and righteousness. So go after me, the righteous one, to be transformed, to be set on that trajectory. It's not about attaining something. You have attained your relationship with Jesus. You have attained, you have received eternal life. You have received a new identity in Christ. You are a new creation. So God's not saying you need to reach some level until you're accepted. You are perfectly accepted today, right now, because of the finished work of Jesus. He says, but now what I want to see is that finished work become a more complete work in you and through you. It's not about making it to come to some perfected place. But we honour God with our lives. We pursue Him by becoming more like Him. God's glory is revealed through us the more that we become like Him. We end with that scripture, God's glory covering the earth like the waters cover the sea. So okay, what does it look like for the glory of God to come? Okay, maybe there's like these awesome like clouds of fire spreading around everywhere and gold dust trickling down and all of this sort of stuff. If that's your conception of glory, I just want to broaden it slightly. It's not a sign and a wonder in that kind of way. It's the glory of God is, I love John Piper's, it's maybe a mangled interpretation of what he said, but essentially the glory of God is all the divine attributes of God manifested the divine attributes of his nature, who God is, when that gets revealed and manifest, then his glory has come. In I don't, know if it's, I don't know what the scripture is. In 1 Corinthians, I think where it talks about us going from glory to glory. Yeah. Yep, so that's as we are being conformed to the image of his son, as we have being transformed into his likeness, we are going from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. So it's as Christ is formed in you, you become more glorious and then you reveal more of God's glory to the earth. Is as his church becomes more like him that God's glory starts to come because his, the divine attributes of his nature are being revealed to the world. So how does the glory come? It comes by me and you being yielded to Jesus and allowing that transformation work to happen. So there's a couple of kind of strategies and I'll talk more about it next week, but what I'm excited about? Number one, I want to see everyone who calls Paradox Church home, this is your family, that you would feel confident and equipped to make disciples and to take someone who has no knowledge of Jesus, who is not a believer, to start on that journey and to move towards maturity. Jesus didn't tell me to make disciples. He didn't tell the leadership, the family passes to make disciples. He didn't tell the evangelists to make disciples. He told his disciples to make disciples. And you're his disciple if you're following him. And if you're, if you're a Christian, you're not a disciple, then you're not a Christian. If you're not, if you're not pursuing him, if we're not going after him, we've, we've misunderstood the whole intention and call of God on our lives. So it's all of us have been given that responsibility by Jesus. And he's invited you onto his mission to go and make disciples. But again, it can be like, well, I don't know where to start. We want to equip you to do that. And I'm excited about that. Doesn't mean that tomorrow all these people are going to rush up to you and be like, yes, disciple me. It's going to take your intention to pursue people. Making requires action on our behalf to produce something. If you make a cake... You don't just like throw the box in the oven. It, it requires some intentional investment and time and energy, okay? But we've got to go, well, that's what God's called me to do. This, one of the main purposes of my life is to go and make disciples of Jesus. So I'm going to do that. Doesn't mean you won't do it scared. Yeah. Doesn't mean you won't be petrified by what if I get it wrong? Or what if I mess up? What if I say the wrong thing? What if it doesn't work out? What if someone rejects me? All of those things are just fears that you can deal with before Jesus and help give you courage where you need it, But we want to equip you to do that. But there is this part of just that that initial making of disciples, bringing people into the kingdom in that way. And again, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural work that God is doing. But there's also this thing of maturing. What we don't want is to fall into the trap of thinking somebody's saved and they're rocking up every Sunday to a gathering. Oh, cool, there must be maturing. I think, again, maturing takes intentional investment. It takes us choosing ourselves to go after that, but also us choosing to say, as, as community, as family, that we'll be supporting one another on that journey. I'm excited we're, we're wanting to form a, essentially an immersive spiritual formation pathway. No, no, you didn't hear it first time, mean, no, no. An immersive spiritual formation pathway. So I'm going to get more into it next week. I don't want to give, you, you know, give away all of my goodies for next week. But when Jesus said, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that is, immerse them in the nature of the Godhead. Yeah. Yeah, good. That's what it means. It's not dunking people one time or three times and saying those words. You can do that. That's fine. Water baptism is part of that. But the baptism that Jesus is speaking about is this immersive encounter with the reality of the three dimensions of God, the three natures of God, the three parts of who He is. So to be immersed in the Father, that means you're you're fully embodied and you're being transformed into the place of sonship. That you're becoming a son, or a, and that's you can be man or woman, but you're understanding what it means to be to have God as your Father and to be a child of God. Again, that's not a concept, that's a reality. It takes transformation, it takes inner healing, it's a whole lot of stuff, it takes, it's a journey to do that. In the same way with the son, that you would understand what it is to be a servant. I call it sons, servants, and sent ones. That we would become sons of God, would become servants of God, and would, and would live as sent ones of God. But what I've found... In my experience, is that sometimes people will get a part of it. It's like, yeah, I get Jesus, I get that, and I can obey and I can do the right thing. And maybe they're really hyper-disciplined or maybe they're performance-oriented or maybe they're absolutely petrified that if they mess up, then they're going to go to hell. So they can have the actions of obedience, but it's not a heart transformed as a servant of God. It's not a heart that's transformed to come into sonship with God so that I live out of that place that my identity is fully rested in Him that I'm not performing for God, I'm not striving for God, I'm just living in this restful place that I'm fully accepted by God, but I get to live out this new life with Him. So that's I'll, I'll go into a bit more of that kind of next week. So, Cool? Yes. All right. The next one is building a healthy church family. Why would we do that? What's the point of having a healthy church family? Can't we just be a a really dysfunctional, messed up family? Well, we got that. That's easy. Um, uh, 1 Timothy 3.15 says, If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of the truth. Having a healthy church family, so not just healthy individuals that are maturing into the likeness of Jesus, but then knowing that there's this expression collectively together, it is an expression of the nature of the Father and the culture of the kingdom. So God is a Father. He revealed Himself as Father to His people. Jesus came as the Son. You're called children of God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. All of this language in the New Testament, we see, okay, there's all this family language. So that's the, the expression that God wants to bring to the world is that it's not, I don't have an army. I don't have you know, subjects. I've got a family. Yeah. And my family is going to transform the world. But it expresses it, it, expresses, expresses, it expresses the kingdom. To the world. Bible says, John 13, 34 to 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So say, well, how do I know that I'm a disciple of Jesus? Yes, I'm pursuing God and I'm, I'm reading the Bible and he's transforming me. And then God's like, cool. And then, but the world will look in and say, those people belong to Jesus. Not because they perform signs and wonders and miracles. Not because they have amazing prophetic dreams. It's actually because of the way they love one another. Yeah. The early church became this attractive group of people because the outside world looked upon them and go, these people love one another like with a, with a love that's beyond normal. An unnatural, maybe even a supernatural kind of love. So we know the world's going to encounter the church, the people of God, the household of God, by the way that we love one another. It also means that if we want the world to encounter the family of God and the way that we love one another, we can't be just sitting in here loving one another here. It's got to be loving one another every day in lots of different places. And it becomes this expression of the kingdom. We had a whole bunch of people stand up here, your Life Hub leaders. okay? They're called Life Hubs, a place of connection for you to do life together as you are disciples of Jesus, loving his family, living on mission. It's all of these things coming together. It's not a Wednesday night or a Thursday night or a Saturday morning. It's not a meeting time. It's a people that says, well, look, I can't get to know everyone here, but I can get to know a few in a smaller context and, and to pursue loving them in such a way that it has a transformative impact on the people that are there, but also becomes this expression to the world around us. People want to see God at work. They're not interested in just telling, yes, Jesus loves you and, and you know, this I know because the Bible tells me so. Like, well, they're not reading the Bible, they don't trust the Bible, and they want to see you love in the way that Jesus loved. One another and the world, loving your enemies. It's it's this totally radical way of living and expressing ourselves. But that's how people will go. I want some of that. I want to be part of that. Transforming the city of Rockingham. I'm really excited. Greg's going to share on this in a couple of weeks, um, and is this more of the kind of particular vision of that, but. As I shared last week, kind of as God has moved us, we've been this kind of transitory people going from place to place and we feel like he's established us here, but we live in a city and it's called the city of Rockingham. You might not live in this city. I don't live in this city, but I know that God has placed us in this city, that God loves cities and God has a heart and a plan for this city and I want to encourage you even if you don't live in this city, that you would adopt this city to see God do a radical transformative work in this city. I live in the city of Quinana, I love my city that I live in. I still have a heart for that. I'll still pray for, for my city, but I want to adopt the city of Rockingham because God is moving in this city. And what I would love to see is a city transformed that would be an example to other cities and other places of the church actively going out as the ecclesia into every sphere, seeing radical transformative impact of a city. Because how are we going to disciple nations if we can't disciple a city? And the reality is, well, how are we going to disciple a city if we can't even disciple a family? And how are we going to become this discipling family if I'm not even choosing to be a disciple myself? So it boils down to that small individual, but it has an outworking to go out further than that. Because it's also it's like, well, I'm not a disciple unless I'm loving God's family. Yeah. And, and we're not really being the family of God unless we're looking outside of ourselves to, to seek to be a blessing to the, to the wider place around us. And it's, it's the suburbs of, of Baldiverson and Rockingham and right across this city. But I believe that God can transform a city. I believe it. I believe He desires to. But I believe he's looking for a church and looking for the church in this city to stand up and to acknowledge, why are you doing a work in this city? God, you love this city. Yeah. And so our heart is not, again, it's not a paradox church thing. Our heart is to work with all the churches in our city. And sometimes that'll, that'll mean a shift in their perspective to go, oh, oh, yeah, I've got to look outside of the four walls of, of, or just outside of my church family. And, and that can be hard because it's, it's a big job to shepherd a people. Everything, anything that God produces here, we want to give away. This immersive discipleship framework, we want to give away. How how we create this culture of family that loves what we want to give away to other churches. How do you transform a city? We're trusting that God will teach us and reveal to us, and then we can give it away, and we can see many cities across Perth transformed. I'm all about prototypes. Like God, just use us. We're yielded to you. Show us how. Teach us, Lord that we might then see it impact. It's really important that we understand we're not just talking about the welfare sphere. We, we have the crew, we have Lily Haven that's working with the broken people, really deeply broken people in our community. God calls us to love the poor. It's Isaiah 58. It's all through Jesus says, you know, to, to love the poor, to seek the welfare of those people. It's really, really important. We never want to lose that. But it's every sphere of society. It's the kingdom of God coming into businesses. Is the kingdom of God coming into every family and every home. Is every family being transformed. Uh, we've got statistics of the city of Rockingham. Greg's going to share about it in a couple of weeks. But all the different areas of brokenness that exist. And we're like, God, give us strategies. God, awaken our hearts to pray. God, give us ways that we could actively be part of seeing your kingdom come to this city. So, And we're going to be tracking the statistics and we're going to be believing and expecting as we partner with the Holy Spirit and going out into this city that we're going to see the statistics change. And the council is going to look and say, it's the church, not parish, it's just the church in Rockingham that's doing all of this amazing work, that's seeing these things happen. And God gets glorified because his people start to be the people of God in the world. Anyone excited? And then finally, the fourth area, covering the region through prayer. This is a big part of, of a word that God spoke to me for our church is to take on a regional mandate. So the region, which what we felt like God clarified was kind of Quinana Rockingham, Mandra. So covering that region through prayer. We know Ephesians 6 Talks about, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We're going to dig down a bit more into this. It's, it's really to understand that there's a spiritual warfare that goes on, that there are spiritual entities that actually rule the spiritual atmosphere over places and it impacts people it impacts the way they think and therefore impacts the way that they live so you can have a principality of poverty over a particular place so you you need to understand that you can't just go in and and serve all the poor because that principality is in a position of authority but to know that as God leads you or us corporately in prayer or in strategies then those principalities and powers can be displaced that their authority can be broken so then the people who, are, who were underneath that authority, they get free. Yeah. They get free in their mind to think differently, to not have it a poverty mindset. That's just one example. There could be that there's a high rate of divorce. There can actually then be a principality that's filling the airwaves with the message of divorce and separation and division. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I know I'm talking kind of conceptually about supernatural things, but... The Apostle Paul was very clear. Oh, no, no, this is, this is not a, a, a one-to-one, person-to-person issue. There's this greater measure of what's happening in the, in the spiritual atmosphere. I like to think of it, in a, if you were to think of it in a military sense, it's like ground war and air war. Oftentimes, it's, it's the, you know, planes will come in in the air war and they'll kind of bomb certain, take out particular um, kind of Areas where there's missiles or guns or, or, and all of that supply places, they'll come in and they'll do the air war and they'll clear the way for the ground war to take place. They'll clear the way for the army to then come in on the ground. And so we have to be doing both. We don't just want to be dealing with a spiritual atmosphere and then, then no one's there to actually disciple and, and steward and... and you know, bless these people. So it's having both of those things, but we feel like God's given us a mandate to cover this region through prayer. Again, I don't know why he asked us, possibly just because he knew we'd say yes. Um, it's something that we believe that God is going to continue to unveil and unravel that strategy, but we want to be a people of prayer. And this is something where we want to actually develop a culture of prayer that we become a praying people. Now you might feel like, oh, I'm not an intercessor. That's fine. You can pray. You don't need to be a high-level intercessor that spends all of their times in their prayer closet just warring and doing all that sort of stuff. It's everyone is a people of prayer. When Jesus came into the temple and he turns over the table and says, my household will be a household of prayer. It's my oikos. My family will be a family of prayer. He's not talking about my house. Oh, this building, you'll have prayer meetings happening regularly. No, no, it's my people will be a people that live in intimate, everyday interaction with me. Yeah. That's what it means to be the household of God who is that, that carries that culture of prayer. So again, we want to equip you to, to do that, to learn and to fall in love with God through prayer. So it's taking responsibility for the spiritual atmosphere over the region. It's people standing in their authority in Christ with the keys of the kingdom, binding the works of the enemy and loosing the reality of heaven. Matthew 16. Did I put that scripture up? Yeah, there we go. And I tell you, you are here, there, and on this rock, I will build my church. My ecclesia and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is an authority that God has given to his church, his ecclesia, to actually rule the spiritual atmosphere under his lordship. And then to bring the kingdom of God into every sphere of society. Now what's really important is, well, can we be trusted with that measure of power and authority? Yes, you can if you're a mature disciple of Jesus. So he keeps kind of coming back. It's like, yes, we, yeah, we want to do that. We want to take this city. We want to, you know, transform this region. Awesome. It's like, cool. Are we, are we maturing as disciples of Jesus? So yeah, we want to see people saved in this city. Yes, we want to get out there on the streets and, and proclaim the gospel. And people respond like, yes, yes. I want to follow Jesus. This Jesus you've told me about, my heart's burning. Yes, I long for that. Awesome. We'll come and be discipled. <laughs> By this person over here, you know? It's like, no, so then as a family, we're like, oh, we're all equipped. Yes, bring them in, Lord. Bring in the lost and the hurting and the broken. We'll feed them, we'll clothe them, and then we'll bring them into maturity as disciples of Jesus, because we're all equipped to do that. If you're sitting here today saying, oh man, make discipling a new Christian, I wouldn't know where to start. That's okay, because we'll help you to know where to start, and we'll help you to know how to get people on that journey. But see how it's all kind of connected in and really it all boils down to discipleship. People who are in love with him. People who are in love with Jesus. When we cover the region through prayer, we stop allowing things to happen in our city that God doesn't desire or that doesn't lead to more of his kingdom coming and his will be done. It starts in every heart, it flows into every home, it's every relationship, every place that we interact And the fact is we need all four of these things so that we don't become unbalanced. And God might give us a bigger region than just this little region. He might call us globally one day. I'm not asking for it or praying for it, but we just know this is the mandate that is given to us now. And it takes all of us. God, I believe God has brought you to this community because you have a part to play in what he's doing. It's not an accident that you're here. So, as we kind of reverse engineer this ultimate outcome of, of discipleship of nations, we're going to go, oh, how do we get there? So, we won't see a nation transformed if we can't see a city transformed. We won't see a city transformed if we don't have a healthy missional family to reach that city and invite them into God's family. We won't have a healthy missional, transformational, nation altering people if they aren't being transformed and conformed to the likeness of Jesus, who is the only one that can accomplish this work. We will equip you along the way. We'll do it together. It'll be hard. It'll be fun. It'll be glorious. We'll see God move. Man, when you see God move, it's amazing. Don't you love seeing God move? Seeing God transform someone's life, seeing God heal someone. I just want more of that. It requires intentional investment on our behalf. It's gonna come with a cost. It'll cost our comfort. It'll cost our time. It'll cost our money. It'll cost our energy, we will face opposition and God will be glorified and we will be blessed. Because you know what? It also comes with amazing fruit. It comes with the fruit of people coming to know Jesus, being transformed by Him and then sent out into the world to see others transformed by Him. This multiplication impact. It has the amazing fruit of God being glorified. He's worthy to be glorified. It has the fruit of heaven coming to earth, which is what Jesus told us to pray. Well, Lord, if that's your prayer, that means that's your desire. I wanna see your desires fulfilled, Jesus. Prayer carries with it an expectation of fulfillment. The fruit is that Christ will be formed in us, that we will live in less daily brokenness and will live in more daily oneness with him. And we will step into our created purpose of why God birthed you in the first place. So the big picture is to see the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God like we read about in Revelation eleven fifteen. It's that the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea in Habakkuk two fourteen. It's the lamb of God receiving the reward of his suffering. It's Jesus getting what he deserves after he gave his life on the cross. It's a big vision, but God's going to fulfill it. It's not all up to us, it's up to His church, His bride, but we have a part to play. And if we don't play our part, then the big picture doesn't get put together. So, we're going to share more about some of the strategies, going a bit more into depth uh, into each of these areas over the next few weeks. But we believe that we'll see genuine change in people, in churches, in our city, and in our region. I know we don't have all the answers, but I know the answers are there. They're in God. They're in you. I've got one minute left. It's a good amount of time that I can pray over you. Amen? If you're able to stand, why not you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> thank you, Jesus. We just thank you, Jesus, that you are shifting us out of ourselves, Lord that you're shifting our attention, Father, even where we can't get caught up in our own things, Father. That, that scripture that says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Yeah. Lord, that we, we fall into this kind of undisciplined living, kind of just wayward and, and drifting, Lord. But we thank you, Father, you're, you're honing us, Lord. You're honing our vision. You're honing our attention, Lord. Yeah. Thank, you. thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And we know this is just the work that you've always been doing, Lord. It's the continuation of that, Lord. But God, we just wanna be part of what you're doing on the earth. And we don't wanna be bystanders, Lord. We wanna be participators in what you're doing. So Father, I pray that you would just awaken our hearts, Lord, to give our yes to this journey, Lord. To give our yes to what you're doing, Jesus. Not because we're hyped up or revved up, Lord, but you would convict our hearts to say, this is your heart, Lord. This is your desire, Father. It's all throughout the Scriptures, Lord, and I might be articulating it in a particular way, but it's it's just your heart to see people in your family, Lord, to see your people maturing into Christ, to see cities and regions and nations transformed as your kingdom comes. And Father, I pray protection over the hearts and minds of your people, Lord. The enemy hates what we're doing, because he knows that he doesn't have gates strong enough to stop us. When we are empowered by your Holy Spirit, Lord, when we are walking in obedience to you, Jesus, we know that there are not gates big enough to stop the advancement of your kingdom, of your bride, of your church, Jesus. But we know it's all you, God. It's all you. It's your desire, it's your strategy, Lord. It's your power, Holy Spirit. So we say, yes, God, we yield to You. We say, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, use me, God. Here I am, Lord, convict my heart, Lord. Give me a fresh vision. Let me see what You're doing that I might get on board with what You're doing, Lord, where I've been wayward, where I've been stuck in sin, where I've been distracted, Lord. Would You convict my heart? Loving Father, would you convict my heart? Would you bring me back to you, Lord? Bring me back to your heart. Let me rest my head upon your chest that I might capture you, Lord. And I'm even just reminded of of John with his head resting on your chest. Just hearing your heartbeat, Lord, would you draw us in? Let us hear your heartbeat, Jesus. Let us hear how your heart beats for your bride. Let us hear how your heart beats for your people, how your heart beats for me, Jesus, but how your heart beats for this city, Lord, how your heart beats for this nation and many nations, Lord, that even as we would hear your heartbeat, Lord, that you would send us out to the nations, God. But we know you've placed us here in this moment, in this time. Father, would you awaken our hearts to adopt this city that you've placed our church in, Lord, that we would see tangible impact in people's lives, in the culture of this city that would become more like heaven, Lord, in the years to come. You're such a good God. You're such a loving Father. You're so good to us, Lord, and we want the world to know how good you are. So we love you. We bless you. And I just bless you, each of you today as you go. I bless you in Jesus' name.